your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Friday's edition of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, May 28th, 2021. Your boy Q, you can find me on Twitter, as many of you do, at your boy Q254. Definitely appreciate that. Going to be here to close out the week really, really strong. Excited about today's show. Coming up in today's show, as a matter of fact, coming up in segment number three, I'm going to have a couple calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Got a lot of good feedback throughout the course of the week. Was not able to put every call and text on the show show just ran out of time but I'm going to try to get a couple in in segment number three at least a couple of them just to close out the week in segment number two and I teased it on uh, on Thursday's show Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal also Vegas Nation podcast she joins the show and uh, I talked to her actually on uh, Wednesday evening I talked to her and uh, just caught her thoughts on uh, all things OTAs as she was out there at the Henderson facility for the first day that was open to the media so just wanted to get her thoughts on being at the facility what the facility is like you know what she saw what stood out to her and just expectations for the Raiders in 2021 so you'll hear from Cassie Soto in segment number two segment number one here I'm just going to give you the news and notes so it's just going to be a couple of them I'm actually going to cut this segment a little bit short because my conversation with Cassie is a little bit longer it's about 15 to 16 minutes so I don't want the show to go too long don't want to get in trouble on a Memorial Day weekend you know what I mean I don't want to get the powers to be upset at me so I'm gonna cut segment number one a little bit short have a longer segment number two and then we'll have some calls and texts in segment number three so let's go ahead and just jump into the nuts and bolts of the show and I think the biggest piece of news that came out Raiders related on Thursday was that the Raiders and Rams plan on having a joint training camp and this was confirmed pretty much by Rams head coach Sean McVay on Thursday he didn't give any real details but uh, it's been put out there and uh, he, he was talking about it during a press conference that they were planning on having joint practices with the Cowboys and the Raiders uh, so they're expected to work out at the Rams practice facility in Thousands Oak California California. The Rams host the Raiders in preseason on Saturday, August 21st at SoFi Stadium. So if you remember back in 2019, the Raiders hosted the Rams in Napa, uh, and that was right before the preseason opener. They had that preseason game at the Coliseum, and if you remember, that's actually when they uh, they had that joint practice in 2019. That's when Gabe Jackson got hurt. That's when his knee got jacked up, and I thought he had tore his ACL, but ultimately he ended up just uh, spraining his knee, and he was out for a little bit of uh, time, and that was kind of the beginning of the end of Gabe Jackson with the Raiders. I know he he ended up playing that 2019 season and played last year as well, but kind of lets you know that, okay, Gabe Jackson is a higher priced guy and he's a guy that is expendable because they were able to kind of fill that void with, uh, you know, with him being out. But I remember when Gabe Jackson hurt himself in that joint practice, all the Raider nation was just like, it was one of those big, <gasps> you know, like you, it almost takes the breath out of you. Like, Oh my gosh, that can't happen. You just knew that the offensive line was going to be in shambles and it ended up not being as bad as uh, we all thought it was going to be. But uh, ultimately, that's that's what my biggest memory is from the Raiders and the Rams having that practice in Napa back in 2019. So fast forward to 2021, they're going to do it again and expect it to be a couple practices before that Saturday, August 21st preseason game at SoFi Stadium. So that's pretty cool because the thing about it is, 
Coaches, they like those joint practices, those joint scrimmages, better than they like preseason games. They actually get more out of activity against other teams in a practice setting than they do at a preseason game. Because, you know, in a preseason game, they're not really going to have their dudes out there. They're not going to have some real guys out there playing too much because they don't want them to get injured. But, uh, you know, behind the scenes, in the practice facility, training camp scene, they want to have more guys out there actually putting in work and they can kind of get a good idea of who's going to be a player and who's not going to be a player, especially for the young guys. So uh, coaches, they all love these scrimmages, these joint scrimmages with teams more than they like preseason games. So to see the Raiders and Rams have agreed, even though it's not official official, and I say that in air quotes, it's about as official as it can be without you know them coming out and just saying, it's a done deal, it's set in stone. But expect that to happen uh, a couple days before that Saturday, August 21st preseason game at SoFi Stadium in LA. And this other piece of news that I have for you, it really isn't Raider related except for this player is a former Raider and I really liked him. So I'm just going to bring it up because I did think he was a heck of a player. I think most Raider fans liked him and that's a former Raider offensive lineman Jared Valdir. He was suspended by the NFL for six games. They announced that on Thursday. Originally a third round pick in 2010 out of Hillsdale College. Uh, That was a pickup. I remember when the Raiders selected him, everyone said, Jared Vell who? Out of where? And it ended up being Jared Valdir out of Hillsdale College, third-round pick, and ended up being a really good offensive lineman for the Raiders. And I remember I was disappointed when they didn't re-sign him, and he ended up going to where? Arizona to the Cardinals. And then I know last year he was in Green Bay for a while. Uh, he was with the Colts. He tried – I think he's played for Green Bay, or he was going to play for Green Bay uh, in the playoffs, but then he ended up not playing for them. But either way you look at it, oh, he went to the Patriots too for a minute. So he's been around the league a little bit. But uh, I always like Jared Valdir, according to the NFL – and Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. Uh, he said the NFL suspended Valdir for the first six games of the 2021 season, uh, added that Valdir has already planned to retire and that the offensive lineman said a prescription is what led to his suspension. And apparently in a statement that was written by Valdir, he said he was prescribed low-dose Clomid due to abnormally low testosterone, basically low T. That's what he's saying triggered his uh, his failed drug test, and that's why he got suspended for six games. He also said that I plan to retire at this time from the NFL. So he ain't worried about it. He's not signed by a team, and he doesn't plan on being signed by a team. He plans on retiring. But I just wanted to bring it up because it was Jared Valdir, and like I said, I liked him back in the day when he was a member of the Silver and Black. So that's all I really got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. A couple news and notes, little nuggets I like to call them. Coming up next, you'll hear my conversation with Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also Vegas Nation podcast talking all things OTAs, talking the Raiders, talking what she saw as she was out there at the facility in Henderson. Just a fun little conversation. That's going to come up in segment number two. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about betonline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, everything is going on right now. It is your one-stop shop for all your sporting needs. Before the next pitch, before the next home run, the next goal, the next slam dunk, the next rejection, the next knockout punch, head on over to betonline.ag, sign up for your bonuses, get some contest information, all the great sporting news you need. You want to know how to get the signing bonuses? Well, you just go to betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus just like that. So get off the sidelines, get into the game. Your team may be on a playoff run right now, and you could be on a playoff run right now. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Again, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you go to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON. Segment number two, that's coming up. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team is 
every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into my conversation I had with Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal. She does a really good job there. She's on the Vegas Nation podcast. I've been on her show a couple times. She's been on my show a couple times. Anyway, she does a really good job. She was out there at the practice facilities on Wednesday when it was open to the media and they were able to kind of look around, see some things, take some pictures, take some video on her Twitter account at underscore Cassie Soto. Uh, You'll see some videos if you want to go check it out. Anyway, I just wanted to go ahead and grab her for a couple minutes and and just talk about what she saw out there and just what her biggest takeaways were. So without further ado, here's that conversation. Myself and Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Joining me now on the phone lines is Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Also does the Vegas Nation podcast. You can find her on Twitter at Cassie Soto. And thank you so much for joining the show. Just kind of wanted to catch up with you to get your your big takeaways from the first day of OTAs that were available for the media to actually take a look at. So um, how, how nice was it just to be back at the facility? Q, I'll be honest with you. That was actually my first time attending a practice. Nice. It was so limited for media last season. Um, and obviously there weren't OTAs last year. So as far as camp goes, yeah, this is my first time stepping on the practice field, seeing, um, them get to work in the off season. So I I actually walked into the media room and I was so giddy. I was like, this feels like the first day of school, like a meeting, (laughs) like all my friends are here, like all the other media members. Um, I was so, I was just so happy to be there and, um, to be able to, we obviously just stayed in the, in the media room or the workroom there. But it was really cool to get inside the building and to see these guys get to work. It seems like forever that we've seen them uh, with helmets on and getting out there. And it was really exciting to get out there. Like I said, it feels like the first day of school all over again. So let me ask you this. It was your first time. I mean, what was your impressions of the facility itself? Yeah, no, it was really great. Um, we got to do a tour um, for the Review Journal like while everything was still being built. Okay. And you could tell how massive it was going to be in there. I kind of peeked my head in where you could see the weight room and a little bit of the field tray, but not too much. Um, but once we get to be inside, I think that's where it's the going to be the oohs and ahs when you see that field, that massive uh, indoor practice facility that they have. But as far as the the media room goes. It was really nice. Um, state of the art in there. And then the actual outside practice facility um, was really nice, really well kept as well. Yeah. And I saw some of your early pictures, a couple of videos that you had put out on your Twitter account. And I mean, I'm sure that it was exciting for the guys to get out there as well. You know, there's a lot of speculation that they weren't going to be out there for OTAs. Well, as long as it was voluntary, but uh, it looked like they had some energy and some excitement. Were you, were you feeling that energy and excitement from the players? Oh, for sure. And how about that, right? It was like a month ago that we were saying like, oh, these guys are opting out. They're not going to do anything, uh, any in person. And here they are almost, you know, the full full team here. There was just a couple guys uh, that were missing. I think um, Vinny Bonsignor, my colleague there at the RJ, had uh, mentioned that Josh Jacobs wasn't there, Yannick Ngakwe, but that's nothing to worry about yet, right? We're right. Phase three just started, so nothing to get too, uh, too worried about yet. But yeah, the guys were pumped. Um, I'll, I'll note here Max Crosby, a guy who obviously is a fan favorite for Raider Nation. He was hyped. He was <laughs> jumping up and down. He brought the energy He was encouraging his teammates, saying, you know, making them get a few more reps in. And he was, you know, he's a big guy that has a lot of expectations this year. And um, I obviously paid attention to his hands. They weren't wrapped up or anything. We know he had that uh, surgery in the offseason. And so to see him look like he's back at 100 percent is really encouraging. And, yeah, him bringing that energy um, was fun to see as well. Who were some of the guys that you were really focused in on? Like when you went there, did you have a plan in place? Like, okay, I'm going to make sure I pay attention to this player, this player and that player. 
Yeah, well, I'll start with Alex Leatherwood. Um, that was a guy that we were actually pretty close to there. They had us kind of not roped off, but made us stay in a, a specific portion of the field. And he was right there front and center. And uh, obviously a guy who's going to have the spotlight on him being right. that first first round pick. And when I tell you he was honed in on every word, every movement that offensive line coach Tom Cable was was shouting out every drill, every instruction. Wow. He was so tuned in to this guy. I like focused in. I zoomed in with my camera on his face and you could just see like laser beams from Alex Leatherwood to Tom Cable just being so receptive of everything that Cable was uh, shouting out to him. And I, my audio actually picked it up. Uh, Cable shouted out, I'm watching you, Alex. I'm watching you. I see you. And um, so to see him get in there and, you know, some fast footwork and to see him really um, be receptive to the drills and, and what was being called out to him is obviously a good sign. And I think it was Cleland Furl afterwards who had like an amazing review of Alex Leatherwood saying that he came in immediately with a pro mentality and he's obviously got that Alabama background. Um, so he knows how to practice at a high speed, high tempo. And Farrell said that it didn't seem like he was overwhelmed at all. And from what I saw on the field, it didn't seem that way either. Talking right now with Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal, also Vegas Nation podcast. Make sure you check her out on that on Twitter as well at underscore Cassie Soto. And uh, as far as the offensive line, there's been a lot of conversation about that since it has been been reconstructed Richie Incognito's back he's the he's the veteran there and then of course Colton Miller gets the contract extension so he's there as well but I mean without blocking people so you can't really tell because not they're not blocking anybody but still I mean just how did the offensive line look in general to you it's really good really good they all looked um just like in sync I guess you could say and same thing with Richie Incognito when when we got to talk to him afterwards he was asked like hey Richie like you're obviously a seasoned veteran and this is voluntary why are you showing up, basically? And he said, hey, like, we're a young team. Our offensive line obviously looks a little bit different than right. last year, and including with Incognito there. We know he missed most of the season. Um, and he said, "There, I have, a, like, basically a duty to be a leader to this offensive line, and um, you could see it. Uh, he was high-fiving people. I think I got some videos out on Twitter as well, high-fiving people. Again, the encouragement and just the um, the duality of the offensive line just seeming like, this is just, what, two, three days in, and it seems like they're all, you know, on the same page here. And that's obviously really great to see for this team so early on into phase three. And, and you know, when you're talking about the Raiders, the big elephant in the room is going to be the defense. They got a new defensive coordinator now in Gus Bradley. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from defensive players? Did it seem like they were kind of running around there with some energy and a little bit of pep in their step? For sure, for sure. Actually, um, I think somebody had had mentioned it. Um, Cleveland Furl, like he looked massive, so he changed, right? He changed yeah. from ninety six to ninety nine. So I don't know if it's that that extra nine on his jersey, <laughs> but that dude looked filled out. Q. I think he mentioned that he, you know, he hit his target weight, and now he kind of wants to tone down, maybe slim down a bit. Um, but he definitely put on some weight in the off season. It was something that he worked on. And again, another guy, sort of like Alex Leatherwood, because you're drafted in the first round, the spotlight is going to be on you. And he said, you know, he's, he's ready for the challenge, but he's going to, you know, keep his head down and focus on what he needs to do and stay true to himself. But he was also a guy that was jumping up and down. And then uh, you mentioned the coaches there. I didn't get close enough um, to uh, Gus Bradley, but I did. I was pretty close to Rod Marinelli. And I heard him again. My audio picked up on my camera. He said, I love the effort of this group. There was a couple, I think a couple expletives in there, <laughs> but <sure>. basically, <laughs> basically what he said was, I love the effort of this group. And again, 
two, three days into to phase three when these guys are being able to get on the field together to hear that from a coach has to be encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the defense is what everyone's going to pay attention to. How is it going to develop? How is it going to come along? Can it improve and get better? Obviously, bringing in Gus Bradley is a lot of hope and a, a lot of expectations. Uh, how about Damon Arnett? He was a guy that came out of training camp last year with high expectations, really was banged up a lot. But what I saw from Twitter and some pictures and some videos looked like he bulked up as well. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the first thing to note is that he didn't have his arm wrapped up in a cast. So that's that's good. Right. Um, but again, yeah, like you say, a guy that has big expectations. And I mean, there's only so much that we can see right now. I wasn't super close to him again. I was really closer to like the defensive line and, and the offensive line. But I could see him, you know, a little bit off in the distance. And yeah, he looked like he was moving and grooving and and getting into the rhythm of things. And, you know, it's there, like I said, only so much we can see right now once we get those pads on. Um, especially for him, a guy who who led with his head a little bit too much last season, Q. Hopefully uh, he'll, he'll uh, tighten things up this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's got to be able to stay onto the field and, and just kind of, you know, be that guy that they expected it to be when they, when they drafted him number 19 overall in the first round. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you about Jonathan Abram. I was watching his post-practice little media session and just not really necessarily what he was saying, but his body language to me looked like he was really more focused. Last year he came in with the blonde hair and I'm not going to judge anyone by their hair but he came in he just kind of you know he was dancing around a lot he had the blonde hair just kind of seemed like he was really loose what I got from him it seemed like he his body language was really really focused is 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 that would would that be would that be fair in saying that you didn't like the Cisco hairstyle (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) come on you gotta love some frosted tips every once in a while man no I'm kidding um yeah no for sure he did seem uh like more like it's business time now. It's time to get going. Um, we can't be, you know, him and Damon Arnett, their dance off. Like that's cute and fun every once in a while when, when you're winning. Right. right. But in, in, when it's time to, to get to it and, and they're again, their first OTAs, they didn't get it last year and they weren't going to have it um, just a couple months ago. And now here they are, it's time to get down to business. But yeah, Jonathan Abram, again, another dude who is a, a lot of expectations for him and he can't be making those same mistakes like in that Kansas City Chiefs game. These are things that he has to iron out now. And like you said, that body language was there. He He's talking the talk, but we'll see if he can walk the walk once the time comes for it. Yeah, he's got to be able to do that. We're talking all things Raiders right now with Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal. And I just got a couple more questions. And this is really just kind of your gut feeling of what your expectations are to see. And and before actually, before I get to that, let me ask you, was there anything that stood out to you from the practice that was either really, really positive or maybe even something that you looked at and was kind of scratching your head and weren't too sure about? No, I think everything, like I said, um, I was really surprised. I was really, you know, typical to see Max Crosby being the guy jumping yeah. up and down and encouraging his teammates. That was really great to see. Um, like I said, Leatherwood looks like he already knows, you know, the playbook. He's He's been in there. He's learning. And he's really being receptive to Tom Cable. Um, I didn't get a close look at John Gruden. I was trying to get uh, get some video of him to see, you know, how he was how he was feeling. I will note um, Mike Mayock, actually, Raiders GM Mike Mayock, was like squatting down and, and again, z- so zoned in on the offensive line. And in particular, Alex Leatherwood, when he was running his drills, he was just staring at him the whole time. And, and that's a guy he said, obviously going to be a starter for them day one. So he was, he was seeing what his draft pick was, was up to today. Nice. Nice. Mayock always seems to be pretty intense. Even during games, he's just kind of, you know, he's not sitting around with a drink in his hand. He's kind of up there like a coach almost. So he's in there. Yeah. He's in there. If he had a whistle, I'm sure he'd, he'd be out there blowing it. Like for <laughs> sure. 
Absolutely, absolutely. All right, now, now I wanted to ask you a couple more questions, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, who or what are you most excited about this year when it comes to seeing the Raiders on the field? Can I say the fans? Fans yeah. inside Allegiant Stadium? Yeah, absolutely, you sure can. Okay, because I'll be honest with you, during the season, there was some third quarters when the third quarter rolled around, and, you know, I'm off of that that media press press lunch, and I got that food belly, and I was... <laughs> You know, it got a little a little quiet in there and a little comfy. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest that uh, if, when fans are in there, I don't think that's going to happen at all. Right. Um, to see that place, to hear that place packed with 65,000 plus people is going to be incredible. And being here in the city of Las Vegas, um, I left for a year and a half for work, but coming up on my 16th year now, the city of Las Vegas is ready to cheer on an NFL football team and that being the Raiders and, you know, the city of Las Vegas and everything that it has to offer. Right. It is going to be absolutely nuts. And I don't think I'm mentally prepared for it yet, but I will be. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the Raiders sure could have used that fan base, could have used Raider Nation in Allegiant Stadium for a few of those games last year, including the one that I was at, the Kansas City Chiefs, that Sunday night game. I think that that's a different outcome if Raider Nation's in the building that night. No, no questions about it. For sure. There was multiple. The, the Miami Dolphins game. Yep. Are you kidding me? Yep. Uh, 19, 20 seconds left on the clock. That that play would have never happened. Um, right. For sure. The the Raider Nation. Um, I, I come, my family, family of, of Raider, Raider fans, I know how rowdy they can get and how <laughs> just pumped and loyal they are to their team. So to be able to see, you know, hopefully 65,000 silver and black jerseys, you know, around the, around the stadium is going to be, it's going to be a party for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what do the Raiders need to do in your opinion in 2021, if you want to consider it a successful season, what do they have to do? I think they just have a, have to have a little bit more faith in each other and trust each other. Uh, not that you ever totally got the sense that things weren't, um, that they weren't vibing, but I just feel like, I think you've mentioned it on the podcast here before, Q, like p- people were trying to do other people's jobs, yeah. right? Yep. And so if they could just stick to, this is their one task, this is what they need to do, this is who they need to cover, this is who they need to block for. If they could just stick to that and the guy next to them is doing the same thing, they're going to be successful. It's when you try to uh, do other things, you try to be a Jonathan Abram and, you know, not, not be in the right coverage or whatever the, right. the case may be, that's when things get confusing and that's when you end up eight and eight, you know, and that can happen again this year. No, no, it really can. I mean, they, they've got to go, you know, 10 and seven, 11 and six. They've got to, they've got to make that push for the playoffs. Las Vegas deserves it. Las Vegas expects it, especially with the success of the Golden Knights. So uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And, and Cassie, my final question for you, this one's going to be a tough one. What is your gut feeling when it comes to Julio Jones, do you think the Raiders make a move for him? Oh, I don't know. No, that's a tough one. Why you put me on the spot like that? Hey, that's how it is. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what like what would they give up for him? Right. Like, Exactly. That's that, that's been my question, you know, because, you know, Vinny's talked about it with me a few times. And I said, look, you can't give up a first round pick. I don't want them to give up a second round pick. If they were to make a move, in my opinion, like they did for Antonio Brown, when they gave up a third and a fifth round pick, I'd be fine with that. I know Vic said a third and like Keelan Doss, but I don't think that's enough to get Julio Jones. So, um, yeah, it's it, that's the big question for me. What would they give up for one Julio Jones? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they have a bunch of pieces to the puzzle right now, but I think, I think, and I'm sure it's been talked about before, like the offense wasn't the issue. Right. It was the defense. So if the defense could just be subpar and the offense stays to what it was last year, like these guys are going to win a couple more games this year. 
Yeah, they better. <laughs> they better. <laughs> it makes our job a, whole, job a whole lot more fun when, yeah, we can talk about some wins for absolutely, sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's great stuff right there. Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal, Vegas Nation podcast as well. Find her on Twitter at underscore Cassie Soto and uh, definitely with me here on, on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Cassie, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you. Appreciate it. Hey, Q, really fast. If I could just say one more thing real quick yep. since, I've, since I think I've got the Raider Nation's ear. I just want to say thank you really fast. I don't know if any of your fans follow me on Twitter, but we recently held a fundraiser for my little sister. And just a quick backstory, she was born with a congenital heart defect. Okay. And so we just had a fundraiser um, to raise money for the Children's Heart Foundation here in Las Vegas. And I tweeted it out and I was able to see who donated on the page, just like the the name that they put yeah. um, as, the, as the donor. And there were a couple Raider Nations for Life, Raiders fan, uh, nice. Raiders you know, 702. And so I just want to say thank you really quick to the Raider Nation um, for for helping out my little sister and a really great cause here in Las Vegas. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I wish you had, it said something ahead of time. I would have promoted it a little bit and, and tried to help out as well and, and done my part. But I'm glad that Raider Nation came and, uh, you know, and represented and helped out in a major way. That's awesome to hear. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So there it was right there. That was my conversation with Cassie Soto. You can find her on Twitter at underscore Cassie Soto. She's from the Las Vegas Review Journal, also does Vegas Nation podcast, does a really good job there. Hopefully you enjoyed that and got a little bit better idea of what was going on at that Henderson facility. And that's the thing, with me being in Central Texas and not actually being there on site on the daily, I couldn't tell you exactly how it went down. I could tell you that they had a practice. I could tell you, you know, what the player said afterwards by way of the, you know, the media sessions. But just being there to have the boots on the ground and be able to kind of look around and, and talk about what you've seen, I'm not able to do that. So that's why I kind of reached out to Cassie and wanted to see if she hopped on, and, and she obviously did. So uh, I was very uh, thankful that she did that. So hopefully you enjoyed that as well. Coming up in segment number three, calls and texts straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Before I get into that, though, I do want to tell you about Built Bar and the nine delicious flavors that they have. And sometimes they have a limited time flavor. As a matter of fact, on Thursday, orange, they had an orange flavor that was a one-day only type flavor. So uh, if you didn't get it on Thursday, you missed out on that. But all the time, you got to check on the website, BuiltBar.com. They always have a limited time flavor. They'll have it for a day, two days, sometimes four days. Sometimes it's just a weekend. Either way, you got to check it out, BuiltBar.com. The nine flavors that they're choosing right now or they're, they're actually focusing in on right now, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone. I'm a big coconut almond guy. I like that one a lot. But uh, maybe you can just get a, a mix box. That'll mean two of each of the flavors. You'll get 18 bars. They're really good for you. Plus, they taste great, 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. I like to put mine in the fridge, but you can you know, you know, can have yours however you want. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 is going to get you to save 15% off your order uh, at BuiltBar.com. So one more time for the folks in the back row. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 is going to save you 15% off when you check out. Segment number three, it's on the way. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line, 707-654-4693. I'll just tell you off top, there might just happen to be a recurring theme in today's segment number three. I'm just going to say that. We'll start it off with Raider Davo from Alabama. And before I get into that call, got to sound the alarm one time because Raider Davo from Alabama is a new booty. 
He's calling to share his thoughts on Cleve Furl, what his thoughts are on him uh, and what he could possibly do in 2021. And then he brings up something from back in the day that I actually used to do. So here he is, a new booty caller right here, Raider Davo from Alabama, here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Hey Q, this is Raider Davo from Fort Penn, Alabama. Uh, I guess I'm a new booty, but uh, love your show. Uh, it gets me through my days. I'm a truck driver, so I really appreciate all the content you bring to Raider Nation. Um, I do, however, want to say one thing. Uh, Max Crosby is like my favorite player on the team, one of them. But I've I've had an opportunity to really watch some tape on uh, Klee. And, man, the dude is awesome. And I really think that he's going to be the breakout player, for me at least. Um, watching what he can do, stopping the run, he gets quarterbacks on the uh, – on the move and uh, flustered, and uh, I I just really think he's going to be the the breakout player. Um, but anyway, thanks for taking my call. Just want to tell you to keep up the good work, and I'm really happy about um, uh, the fellow that I, I think I want to say Obi Wan I, I believe, but I'm really happy to see that he's doing good. And uh, you need to talk to your bosses and see if uh, you can get them to. Let you do that. Remember when you used to do like the double disc, you know, the Tupac? You need to bring that back and give us, you know, maybe about an hour, hour and 15 minutes worth of content because, dude, with the OTAs and all that stuff going on, it would be really good if they'd let you give us a little longer show. But um, other than that, man, I guess I'll let you go. And, again, man, I appreciate you and I appreciate what you do and what you give us. And uh, you're just the best, man, second to none. Thanks again, Raider Nation. All my love to you. See you. Bye. There he goes, Raider Davo right there. Appreciate the call, my man. Appreciate you being a new booty here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. And, yeah, as far as Cleve Farrell goes, man, he's a good player. He's really a good player, and it would be great to see him take that next step. Uh, part of that is him staying healthy. Another part of that is being a little bit more impactful as a pass rusher. He's really good against the run. He sets the edges really, really well. He just now needs to take that next step by getting to the quarterback a little bit more and uh, being able to complete the job, getting the quarterback to the ground, getting a hit on the quarterback, getting multiple pressures on the quarterback, stuff like that. That's that's what's going to help Clee take that next step, and hopefully he's able to do that this year. And, and again, he's got to stay healthy to be able to do that as well. As far as the double disc, I haven't done that in a while. Uh, I've thought about it here and there. Uh, maybe one day when I'm not super, super busy, I'll uh, go ahead and knock that out. I'll do a show where, you know, we have uh, maybe two segments of, of calls and texts and then uh, some more some more other conversations or who knows. I mean, it just it's it's it just kind of happens. You know, it's not one of those things that I think about in advance. It just kind of happens. But uh, thank you so much for that call. I definitely appreciate you. Uh, going to stick with the calls here. Got another call from George. He's calling out of Southgate. And before I get to that call, got to sound the alarm one time because George in Southgate is definitely a new booty. And he's calling to ask a question about Julio Jones, but not necessarily a positive light. Not really a positive question. More like what he might do if he gets traded to the Raiders. Like if he has some kind of ulterior motives. Very interesting call right here from George in Southgate. Hey, you doing Q? Um, I'm a new booty. Been listening to the podcast for a year already. Uh, first time caller. I uh, kind of made a call yesterday, but um, I want to say it better this time. 
Um, so remember what Antonio Brown did when he was with the Steelers? He didn't want to be with them no more. Um, Steelers traded him to the Raiders. Did all this mess, did all this drama with the Raiders just to get released because the reality, the team, he, the player he wanted to play with was Tom Brady. So my question is, do you think uh, Julio Jones is going to bust an Antonio Brown since he said he wants to play with the winning team? I know the Raiders aren't a winning team right now, but we're almost there. I feel like we're almost there with the direction that we're going. Uh, do you think Julio Jones is going to bust an Antonio Brown? do a lot of mess, do a lot of drama with the Raiders just to get released and he can pick wherever he wants to go. All right, this is George from Southgate. I'm out. George, thank you for that call, my man. I definitely appreciate you. It's a good question, but I do not think that Julio Jones would pull an A-B. Uh, one, he's not A-B. He's a guy who always wants to raise, but I don't see him being that total distraction guy that A.B. is. He's not a mess like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he has diva-type tendencies at times. Again, it usually goes back to contract and just wanting to raise, but I don't see him, you know, acting a fool once he gets to a team just so he can get out and go play with another team. I just, I don't see that in Julio Jones. I don't know him like that. You know, obviously, I've never even talked to him. Uh, I actually interviewed him one time at the Super Bowl when Atlanta was in the Super Bowl going up against the Patriots, ultimately lost that game. Only time I interviewed him, and that wasn't even on a one-on-one setting. That was in a group setting, so uh, I don't think that really, really qualifies. I know my guy Raider Al in Georgia, he probably has a better idea. I just don't see Julio Jones doing something like that, but then again, he did go on TV with uh, Shannon Sharp, or at least was on Shannon Sharp's phone uh, talking about being out of Atlanta, and that was obviously set up, but that that uh, that kind of was, I don't know, not a great look, but I mean, either way, I don't think he's he's got Antonio Brown type tendency. That's just, that's just my thoughts, though, but thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Next up, I got a text from Raider Bax. He says, yo, Q, it's your boy, Raider Bax. Just texting in about a caller from Thursday's show complaining about Cleve Furrow, and it kind of pissed me off listening to it. Like, yeah, you can have your opinion, but it doesn't mean it's right. When Cleve was out with COVID or was injured last year, you could tell. No one could set the edge. The teams we faced ran the ball down our throats, and when he played, you could see the difference. Then he talked about how Cleve just interviews great and doesn't put in the work because he saw a slow spin move. All Cleve does is set edge, hit the right gaps, and takes on double teams to set his teammates up for one-on-one battles. Just because he doesn't put up the sack numbers, which everyone is obsessed about, which I want more, and I'm sure he wants more too, but don't act like that man didn't work his ass off because I know for a fact that dude is one of the hardest workers we have, and I'm not saying he's a finished product or is perfect. He could definitely get better. All I'm saying is if you watched last year when he played versus when he didn't, it was a big difference. And if others like Unique and Thomas can take the load off of him, which I think they will, I can see his sack numbers improve. But don't question the man's willpower or work ethic unless you were there with him and you see him pull a David Irving. As always, Q, keep the good work. The nation has your back and is waiting for that Vegas move whenever the chips fall that way for you. Just win, baby. That's from Raider Backs. And, yeah, I understand. And that was uh, that was Joe originally from uh, KC calling out of ATL that was talking about Cleve Furl. And I just kind of said, don't don't uh, overreact to what you see in uh, in May, you know, and may, you might see on a little 10 second video or 15 second video. Uh, again, I think Cleve Furl, to his own point, said he gained a little bit of weight. He's a, he got up to the weight he wants to. Now he's ready to trim a little bit of it as well. Uh, so there's some things he's working on. I do think he's a good player. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think he's a guy who does really well at setting the edges, and and that's 
the one thing, man. He When he wasn't in, you did see the way that other teams ran all over the Raiders. So that's one part of his game. But uh, when he was drafted number four overall, he's going to have higher expectations, and they're really going to be at getting to the quarterback. So that's how Klee takes that next step. But I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's like a bum or anything. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a really good player, actually. He just needs to take that next step and, and continue to refine his game. So I get fans' frustration, though. Again, he was picked number four overall, not his fault. So that's going to be one of those things that's always going to hang with them regardless. So thank you so much for that uh, text. I do appreciate you, my man. And uh, finally, got a call from Brian in Pittsburgh. And before I get to that call, going to sound the alarm for the final time on today's show. Brian in Pittsburgh is a new booty as well. He's calling to ask a few questions about Julio Jones in comparison to some other first-round picks the Raiders have had in the past. Really, really good call here from Brian in Pittsburgh. He's going to close us out today on the Locked On Raiders podcast. What's up, Q? Brian, going in from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Long-time listener. First-time caller, so I guess you can call me a new booty. Uh, but I just uh, want to touch on one thing here, which is a hot topic recently, and that's my man Julio. I love Julio Jones. Who doesn't love Julio Jones? Um, I hear, you know, I see on Twitter, everybody, first-rounders too much, this, that. But I just want to bring something up real fast. I just want to uh, go ahead and a little uh, questions for you, Q. So I'm, I'm going to dive back to when, you know, Mayock got here, Gruden got here, we first started drafting. So would you take right now Cleveland Farrell or Julio Jones? Would you take right now John Abram or Julio Jones? Would you take right now Alex Weatherwood or Julio Jones? Would you take right now Josh Jacobs or Julio Jones? I'm just saying, man, the only one in that in that situation that I sit there and I think hard and long about is, is, is Josh and you know, to be honest, I, I'd rather have Josh, but those people saying first rounders too much for Julio, and I know you're one of them, Q, so I'm gonna call you out on this one, my man. I, I don't, I don't think a first rounder's too much for a guy like that, you know? I know, you know, it gets brought up he's injured last year. Last year was really the only year that he was injured. And I, I heard you and Vinny talking, man, that guy's 13, 1400 yard season average. When have we had a receiver like that last? And one, one thing I keep going back to is when Gruden was there first. Who did he bring in? Let me refresh everybody's memory real fast. Jerry freaking Rice, dude. So let, let's go get Julio. I don't care what it takes. I, I really don't care. I, honestly, a second and, and a third would be great. A third and a fifth would be great. But don't don't bat your eyes at that first rounder going out the door. But if it does, I hope it's not next year when we're all in Vegas. Uh, thank you so much, Q. I appreciate it. Appreciate what you do every day, man, on, on here, keeping us Raider Nation you know, tuned in constantly, man. I got two-hour drive to work three days a week, so I appreciate you, man. Uh, one more shout-out. It'll be Juan Raider, man. We're all praying for you, bro, and uh, good to hear your voice the other day, man. All right, one love. Raider Nation, baby. Brian in Pittsburgh, thank you for that call. And, yeah, definitely shout-out to Obi-Wan Raider. Shout-out to everyone who's who's chimed in to talk about Obi-Wan, too. Uh, that's really cool. Again, that goes back to that family aspect that uh, Border Jumper Raider was talking about. Uh, I think that that's really, really cool that we can share, you know, personal stories here on the podcast and, and uh, you know, uh, look, look out for each other, you know, basically, and and hope that everyone's doing really well. Uh, so that's that's cool. So thank you so much for that. But uh, also, just talking about Julio Jones and, and giving up a first-round draft pick, first of all, I appreciate the call, and and I appreciate the passion. Believe me, your passion is awesome. I love it. And you bring up a great argument for flipping that number one for Julio Jones. And apparently there's conversations. At least that's what uh, Diana Rossini has said, that there's been conversations. The Falcons have had conversations with teens for giving up a, a number one for Julio Jones. I'm sorry. I can't do it. 
I just can't do it. I know that he's really, really good. You brought up all the great points, but I'll still tell you he's 32 years old. You don't give up a first-round draft pick for a 32-year-old wide receiver. You don't. I'm sorry. He's a good player. Yes, absolutely good player. Don't get me wrong. He would be the number one wide receiver on the team immediately. But a number one, I don't care. And you brought up, you know, you, you brought down and broke down all the number ones that the Raiders have had. I get it, but not for a 32-year-old wide receiver. You just can't do it. I, I wouldn't even want to give up a number two. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, at least that's an easier pill to swallow than giving up a number one. I just, I could not see it. That would be a bad decision to give up a number one pick. Remember when Randy Moss was a, a Raider and everyone thought he was kind of at the end of his rope and they traded him to the, the Patriots? They gave up, what, a fourth round? The Patriots gave up a fourth round pick for him? And I'm not saying Julio Jones is going to go for a fourth round pick, and I'm sure the Raiders should have got more for Randy Moss, but... You don't give up a first-rounder for a 32-year-old. You just don't. I mean, you just can't. The only 32-year-old you give up a first-round pick for would be a quarterback, an outstanding quarterback, and that's only if you're desperate for a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the only way you give up a first-round pick for anyone 32 years old in the league. I, I don't – I just – I cannot see it. I can't get over that. I know that <laughs> I know that it's probably, you know, something I'm probably being a little trivial, but at the same time, I just can't do it. Uh, and then you got the draft in Vegas next year. Uh, you obviously want your your first round pick to be number thirty two overall. Uh, you know, and if you win the Super Bowl, you don't care if you have a first round pick anyway. And Vegas wouldn't care either. But uh, man, you you want to be able to have that first round pick for your uh, for your draft as well. I've been to drafts where where that uh, the home team, the team that was hosting the draft, did not have a first round pick, and it was not pretty. That was when uh, the draft was in Chicago. So thank you for that, Brian. Uh, awesome call. Appreciate it. Great argument. I just gotta, I gotta stand stern. I gotta stand strong, man. A 32 year old is not getting the first round pick from me, but that's just me. So thank you so much for that, man. That's all I got time for on today's show. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, hopefully you have a great weekend. Uh, Memorial Day is on Monday. Don't forget what Memorial Day is all about. It's more than food. It's more than barbecue. It's more than hanging out with family. It's a salute to all the troops that have been there, done that, and uh, are the reason why we, uh, you know, we have what we have and we're able to do what we do. And knuckleheads like me are able to come on here and do a show each and every day. So. So uh, salute to anyone who uh, has any kind of military background, affiliation, uh, have served. You know, uh, Memorial Day is a hell of a day that we all need to reflect back on and, and think about what it really, truly means. So Raider Nation, enjoy your weekend. Uh, enjoy your holiday on Monday. Uh, I may have a show on Monday. I'm not too sure how it's going to shake out yet. I still got to wait to hear from the powers that be. But either way you look at it, if you don't listen on Monday, uh, maybe you'll get two shows on Tuesday. Either way, uh, we'll talk again. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.